Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is with Alex Preedholm, a former college runner. We talk about how much community matters both in and out of running, as well as why he missed the structure of running in college. Plus, becoming a marathoner, what he's currently chasing, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Alex Preedholm. Alex Preedholm, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, I begin the podcast by asking about how the guest's most recent run went. You got out for one, it looked like in the uh, late afternoon today. How'd that one go today? Nice and easy. Took it nice and easy. I'm definitely in this cycle um, appreciating going easy when I'm meant to go easy. The the quip I've been making is that like, you know, going too fast on on easy runs, that's a that's a zero interest rate phenomenon. I don't have the time or the the energy for that anymore. I'm just gonna slow down while I can. What are you training for right now? Um, I think I'm gonna go all in on uh, CIM in December. Awesome. God, it's the, I, you are now the Let's see. I think the third or maybe fourth person that I've talked to uh, in the in the very short history of the pod um, that is going to see I am. I I have not signed up for that one yet, but it is it is obviously on my bucket list because it just seems like a an, a, a wild ride. And especially you know if if I'm going to run that one, I think I'm going to have to do it you know right before the qualifier. Just even though I won't be in, in that type of uh, zone, I just want to per- like participate in the energy that that race brings. Definitely. Yeah. That one's definitely like, that's like a full send race. Like you go, you go there to really see what you're made of. Definitely see what times you got in you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let, let's go to what you said at the beginning, taking it easy. Um, I, I feel like a lot of us who maybe are prophesizing about running, like, like I would like to think that I do, um, like you do. I feel like we had various points in our life where, Maybe we were struggling with running or it was a little hard on us. And then we kind of realized, hey, if I run slower, I'm going to enjoy it a bit more. Did, did you have something like that? I mean, you you ran in college. So if so, maybe it came a bit earlier. But but did you ever have a moment like that where you're like, wow, this is really changing how I feel about this whole running thing? Yeah, I mean, the big thing for me was getting to college. So when I was in high school, I kind of got into the sport where our coach was really into like high intensity, like all the time. And so when I would kind of look at logs of other runners or like go on YouTube and look at flow track workouts, I just assumed that everybody was going hard all yeah. the time, but doing more of it. What I learned getting into college is just that like it's, you start burning out real fast when you do that. And so I had definitely, and I think with the help from leadership on the team was just like embracing, like taking a little more easy on some runs, although it was still tempting, particularly in a team environment. As I got into like out of college and I was like running on my own. Mm-hmm. That's when I really got into just like embracing, like I'm just going to run for time. Like I'm just going to be like, Oh, I'm going for an hour. I don't care how long I'm going or on the flip side of that, I'm running 10 miles. And I'm not going to look at my watch the entire time. Yeah. Uh, wh- why'd you get into running in the first place? Let's go all the way back. That's a good question. So I got into, and when I was a kid, I, you know, my hand eye coordination was just like not great, but I liked running around. I like being active. So I always kind of had this like, tendency towards that um particularly with just you know like playing soccer for example like i just love just running around and not getting tired that said i got into the sport uh for real when in like 10th grade and it was right after watching the 2008 olympics like watching like bolt i was like oh i definitely want to go out for like track and cross country so i just kind of did that um 
And yeah, I was kind of, it turned out I was actually on the back end of things naturally because I didn't have the like background of everybody else. So I was a little on the slower side. And by the slower side, I mean, I was like the slowest guy, eventually the second slowest guy, but mostly the slowest guy. Um, so it was a real humble beginning for sure. Yeah. It, interesting. So I guess what, what changed, like what, what was it, was it something that you kind of like took to the sport like pretty well early on or, or was it something that even as your high school career continued, you weren't like the best on your team? Well, so uh, a couple a couple things to that. Um, the first was just I needed to just get like exposure to the sport and train. You know, the big the big lesson from my I would take so far from my career is just that being patient and like embracing just like training and thinking long term is definitely the way to go. And that I think for a lot of people, it it is just a matter of getting the exposure, the rhythm down and just letting your body acclimate is a big thing. Um, from it, the other thing is just also, I think that I had like a bit of a growth spurt, like I was still going through puberty at the time. Sure. So like I got like, like one or two inches taller and that was a big difference too. And I was like able to like have a little more muscle on me too. So that was another big thing too. Um, and then also I think the, the mentorship of like the coaches we had was really key. So like I had a really patient coach that was just, you know, encouraging me to just like, as long as I'm enjoying track and cross country, just keep coming out and like, just enjoy it. And like, it is very, very welcoming. And so I think when you put all that together, it actually led to a big, um, improvement. The final, like by, by the time I was junior, I was actually going from the, the second slowest guy on the team to actually the second fastest guy on the team. So at, it was really much just like embracing, you know, training as a, a thing to, to do that was like the most important thing and just making sure I loved coming to practice. Where, and where did you grow up? I didn't ask. Oh, so that's a good question. So I am, was originally from the Northern Burbs in a, a, of Philly in a town called Doylestown, which is like the farthest Northern, uh, stop on like a septa line, but it's like a lot of farmland, but it, it is like a, a fairly big suburb. And it was, it, we went, we went to a big, we went to a big school. I went to a big school. Um, like a couple, like, like 400, I had like 400 or 500 people in our graduating class. So, so you, you, I mean, immediately from sophomore to junior, you, you find yourself having a lot of success. Um, I, I imagine then that like in the off season that you're trying to think about, like, I want to do everything I can to have a really good senior year. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to like the process. So again, with the patient coach, they also were just like very patient with answering all the questions I had. So you know, I, I went through 10th grade. I was like, you know, I, I, I really enjoy the sport. Like, what do I need to do to get better? And basically, I just took their advice on everything. And the big advice, I mean, it was a low mileage program, but it was like, you, need, you still need to get your base miles in. So it was, yeah, don't skip summer workouts. They're unofficial, but we're going to have them and you should come if you want to get good. And so I just kind of really embraced, all right, I'm going to come to every practice. I'm going to just really enjoy it. You know, if, if, if the runs are hard, I'm going to embrace going hard. If, the runs are just to get time on feet. I'm going to get time on feet. So yeah, it was the summer, it was the summer base and like setting that foundation for the following year that I just really embraced. And I think that was a key thing. So one of the things that has stood out to, to me about you in, in my, in my limited time of like following you on Strava or Twitter is that you really seem to be someone that finds importance in community um, whether it's like running community or just like community in general, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, if you feel like that's an apt description of you, but like, if so, was that something that 
was important to you as well in your high school career as like the camaraderie, the team of, of, of cross country or track. And, and as you're kind of finishing up high school. Absolutely. That's definitely, I would definitely say that about myself. So I definitely agree with that. Um, that's a good question. And the answer is, yeah, I would say pretty much from high school through college. And then when I like stopped and got back into running, I always wanted to just be in like a club in a team setting there's kind of two big things that I liked about the um, like community aspect. One is it kind of like um, gets you out of your head a little bit. Like, so in other words, you know, I think when you're running alone, it's easy to have like the demons come up. You're so like kind of anxious about how well you're doing at any given point. Whereas, you know, when you're in a community, it's like you have like other reference points that kind of bring you down to earth a little bit, which I think is good. You know, I think when you can, diffuse the the pressure in any given point. And I think community is important for that. Just the simple, simple, you know, activities like going for just an easy run. Um, I think that's like really good and actually is a little more possibly more optimal than even just, you know, doing the, the stereotype of, Oh, I'm going to be the, the lone runner in the woods. I'm just going to trim myself and go really hard. Like that actually probably is not good. Sure. That's probably not optimal. It's probably better to just be around other people. And then the other thing too, is just like accountability. So on the flip side, you know, you might be anxious about, oh, how am I doing with my splits or my mileage? On the other hand, you might be just like too lazy at times. And it's oftentimes it's it's sometimes it's better. Like if people, you know, are going to are expecting to meet you at a 7 a.m. workout or a 6 a.m. workout, like you're going to do it more often than if you were to just wake up on your own and be like, eh, I don't know if I'm feeling this. You're like, well. They're, they're waiting for me. I got to go now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so. a lot harder to get out of one of those early morning workouts if you know that somebody is meeting you at like a, a trail or a lake or whatever. Exactly, exactly. So do you go into your senior year then thinking like that you could have a, a college career in running? Well, like was that on on your, your radar at all at that point? You know, I would say uh, going into my junior year, I kind of like at the end of my junior year, going into senior year, I wanted to, that was kind of the attitude I had. I was like, I'll talk to anybody that will take me, you know, or, or anybody that gives me tips on how to like do that. And mainly just because, you know, I like this thing. I'm going to keep this party going kind of thing. I just enjoy the experience. Um, so yeah, I would say I was kind of at that point I was kind of eyeing like, Oh, I want to like do this. And I just want to keep getting better. And I want to like do that specifically. So yeah, definitely. What was the process like? So you chose, you went to Dickinson um, what, what was the process that went into that? Like how many schools, I guess, did you reach out to, or, you know, it, it, like coaches, did you talk to and ultimately land on that school? That's a good question. So I, it was, I want to say a couple that I, that I had communications with. It was a mix of, Oh, I'm just going to send emails and just say, Hey, you know, I got these grades. These are my times, you know, would I have a shot? I mainly focused on smaller, smaller programs and D3 programs mainly because it seemed like that was just the best spot for like where I was at performance wise to develop. And also I think the, the schools were like what I wanted more like what I wanted to, like I wanted to just like have like a better ratio. Like I wanted to have like relationships with like professors and have a better relationship that way. And so I was looking at those ratios and it tended to be, Oh, smaller schools were more D3 oriented programs anyway. So then I kind of, was looking somewhat far away, but not far away, not too far away. So um, the schools I was eyeing were like Haverford, Dickinson, um, Gettysburg, Bucknell, 
Bucknell was an, an, a, 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 a uh, exception because I was a D1 school, but um, like schools like that. And I think it was something around like seven or eight of those schools. And then I went to a couple, I basically went and visited a whole bunch of them. And I really liked the culture that I was exposed to at like Dickinson. And I was like, well, I definitely want to apply here. And like the school seems really cool and it's very pretty and seems like they got a lot of a lot of resources. So I was like, all right, I'm going in on this. And I applied early action and then, you know, ended up going. So So what was the the final year of high school like then? Uh you made it, you know, a nice big jump from sophomore to junior year. What was that like junior yeah, junior to senior? And then and then how I guess did that go into the off season ahead of your first year of college? Good question. So I I actually kind of the pace in which I improved slowed down a little bit. I did get to right around like 16 and a half minutes for a 5k and like nine minutes and 40 seconds for two mile. I was, um, like basically just doing like the mile and the two mile a lot. I ended up, it was like me and a couple of the people were like co-captains of our cross country team. Um, we, our program was interesting because before I started, it was like, our our program was like a machine for generating like really good like 800 400 runners like we would get just like because we were a bigger school we just had like incredible like talent in terms of like sprinters and also our head cross country coach was also more of a mid d guy so he's just like really good at develop helping develop uh middle distance talent so like the big dream of course was like oh are you gonna like get on the like the like the four by eight and like at one point in our at one point we had two completely different four by eight teams that had hit the state qualifying time and indoors. And I was on one of them. And so that's like the, 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 just to give you perspective on how insane, like deep the middle distance program was, um, that was probably as high of an echelon as I got in the sport. It was kind of hard. To, it, I just wasn't like, uh, at the point where I could go beyond that level. Um, but going into college, it was like, all right, like, I really just want to, you know, see what I can do more in the longer events, you know, cause I, I, it was one of those things where, you know, if I wanted to like score, I was, I was going to go in the mile and the two mile. And I just kind of assumed maybe I'm bet more like the longer, the better kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to like, see what I can do in like the 5k and the 10k. And that's kind of how I vision kind of had my trajectory going into college. Did you like upping the mileage? Like it, it seems I've talked to quite a few people now who are just like, I, I just want to do miles. I want to do as many miles as possible. Is that something that, that I don't want to say it was easy for you, but that you enjoyed upping that as you went into college? Yeah, definitely. Although I will say the, the thing about like upping mileage, which really just hit me hard um, was you do have to adjust how much you're sleeping and how much you're eating when you, when you do more miles. And so like, I was kind of one of those people that would eat like, one or two meals a day. Like I was like, just not that disciplined with that kind of stuff. And so when I, when I started up in my mileage, I was like, man, I am tired and hungry all the time. When yep. I got past that, I was like, all right, once it, I kind of got a little more used to it. I was like, okay, I definitely feel stronger when I run more for sure. Like I definitely responded to that better. Yeah. I was someone who like in high school, especially unless I was going to like fast food place to get like a sandwich, I wouldn't really eat breakfast at home. Um, and, and that just like continued right on into college. Unless I was going out to eat for like a really big breakfast, I would always skip breakfast 
and then I would have lunch and I would have a you know a big dinner or whatever. And when I started up in the mileage a few years ago, it was like something before the run, and then I have something immediately after the run, and then my lunches were getting bigger, and then my dinners were getting bigger. And at a certain point, my fiance, though when this episode drops, she'll be my wife. Um, uh, when when this happened, she suddenly realized like. I have to start cooking more food. Like instead of it just being like, you know, one meal for me, one meal for you, it needs to be one meal for me and like one and a half meals for you. And then sometimes I would like pick on her plate at the very end too. So it just like, that was something. And and then, like you said, rest was super important. It's been super important over the last few years. Cause I, I, man, I have one of the, every now and then a bad night and maybe I can't sleep and I'll wake up after five and a half or six hours. And I'm like, well, this run's going to suck. And I'm going to feel it the entire, my heart rate's going to be elevated from the jump. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank I am you. also I am also engaged myself and speak and get to that point, like talking about like how it affects like your relationship with significant other. Like it would be when I was starting to do more miles, I would just like sleep in in a bit because I'd just be so tired. And I I'd wake up and it's like night like on summer, I wake you know, before like I before like working or whatever, I, I would just like sleep in and then I would get like several texts from like my at the time she was my girlfriend, she'd be like are you up yet? <laughs> like, no, I'm just sleeping. Sorry. I'm tired from all the miles. When do you guys get married? Uh, October, October 8th. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. That'll be Thanks. cool. Um, yeah. So f- going back to college, well, like what, what do you miss most about that time in your running career? Um, definitely having, um, well, I guess not having the like um, strict nine to five, time blocked out or I guess it could be like eight to four, but like just, I think having that long block of like holding down a job while training is definitely hard. Cause it's like, you need to be running in the morning or you need to be running just like when you're tired for a long day. And I mean, college was definitely tough in terms of balancing a schedule, but it was like, you had like blocks in the day where if I wanted to get my, my, like my miles in, I could be, you know, up at seven, get, get a double in, eat breakfast and, I could just scroll to class. Whereas in this case, it's like it moves much faster. And like, there's the, like it, there's more pressure to like be at a certain place at a certain time. Maximizing the time is much harder now, I would say. Right. Yeah. There's definitely like the ability to just be like very leisurely about stuff like that. Not very leisurely, but like relatively more leisurely about it was something I definitely miss. I think I also, um, there's cons to, pros and cons to both, but I think, being in a college town was kind of, was kind of fun because it was just like, you're in this like little bubble. And obviously there's, it's, that's not a perfect situation. There's obviously like cons to that, but sometimes it was nice to just be like, you're in this, like you're in this bubble with just like your friends and we, you're like immersed in this culture all the time. And that was definitely a thing that I like appreciate, like appreciate looking back on it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So like when, when you finish college, then is this something that you like want to continue to do like do you want to keep running or was it something that you you know kind of fell off from or or dropped down considerably what 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 was your relationship like with running when you finished up school so that the answer to that question is like kind of a metaphorical speed bump so at the end of my junior year going into senior year i actually like hurt my hamstring it was like i think it was something like a the problem with like I think it was called tendinopathy is what it is. And basically it's just like a hamstring injury that just never quite fully heals, which is a psychological headache Yeah, to put it mildly because you're like, you're, you just, you, you want to get out and train, but basically you wake up in the morning and it feels painful. You don't, you know, and there's not a whole lot you can do besides 
you know, letting it rest. But then the contradiction is that when you rest it, it gets weaker. So then you're more likely to injure it again. And I, at the time I didn't know like the benefits of like strength training and how like strength training can actually kind of like help with that a lot. I was yep. kind of just stretching it, which I learned afterwards was the exact opposite thing you're supposed to do. You are not supposed to be stretching a hamstring tear. Uh, please do not do that. I'm sure any doctor will tell you to not do that. Um, um, and then let's see. So it was a bit of a speed bump in terms of like training. I had to, I was like on and off and on and off debating if I was going to be able to make it through the season. Eventually it got better. And then I was able to train a little bit, but I was kind of training suboptimally. Like I was kind of hoping for more like 90 miles a week. I was running more like 70 and just like, you know, praying to whoever every night that I wasn't going to get re-injured. Um, but I made it through senior year and I did have like, I did hit better times than like I did hit PR like career PRs and, you know, ha- have some marks in cross country. But when I finished, I was like very, very frustrated. I was like, cause it like really hit me in my final college race. Like I was like, I'm trying to break 15, the 5k, like that's my goal. And I ended up running like 15, I ran at 15.03 and I was like, you know what? I have put, I've had so much heartache with this. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm not running anymore. I hung up the spikes. And at that point it was like, it kind of meshed well with also the opportunity of like moving in with my now fiance um, and just kind of like starting totally different life, totally fresh. Like I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to focus on career things, getting my feet uh, settled, you know, get it, get in good other habits, things like that. Um, and then as I, I, the other thing is that I was walking around with a little bit of like a hitch in my, when I was walking too, and a little bit of, with, so I, you know, I just tried to live life, but I kept being reminded of the fact that like my leg is still a little like out of whack. So eventually I went to go see like a doc and they were like, you're, you do you realize like your, your hip flexor is like, tight as a drum. And I was like, but it's a hamstring problem. I don't understand that. And then it was like, well, you know, the hamstring and the, and the, uh, hip flexor, they, you know, kind of work work, together. They work together. So it's like, if one's jacked up, that's obviously going to jack up the other one. And then they were like, I, they were like, you should try like these, like, you know, stretching your, your hip flexors and like getting moving around a little more. And that might help, you know, like break up chronic sitting. I mean, and then probably, probably help. And then it, it did a little bit. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm not like, you know, destroyed forever. Maybe I could just, you know, get back into it a little bit and just try and enjoy it. So then I did. And then a couple friends of mine from Philly moved and, you know, they put me in touch with like a Dickinson alum who was like, Hey, you know, you should connect with these people. They go for runs and they're more, your, they're, they're your speed. So then I joined a couple of like these, like these runners who turns out were part of a club called the Philly runner track club. And then I went out, did some workouts with them competing in broad street as kind of like a, it was like a a rival. I ended up connecting with a rival from college. Um, His name's Charlie Hale. He was a a Haverford alum. And he was like, all right, let's do like broad street together. We'll train broad street together. And then we did, and I did it. And I blew up like really hard and broad street. Like the second half was, I just like died a thousand deaths. I was like crawling to finish. And I was like, okay, I can run a little bit now. 
I'm trying to get back into this. I want to do this like for real. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to start going to these Philly runner track club workouts. I'm going to start, I'm going to come to their long runs. I'm going to go to their workouts, just like jump into whatever. And then that was a really good routine getting back to the community thing. That was like yeah. really important. It was like, all right, I, I, I want to see these people. I want to see these people on Sunday. I want to see these people on Tuesday. These are like friends. Let's, this is like what was getting me out the door. And then what, and what year is this? So this would be, let's see here. I had stopped running for about a year. Yeah. I guess when did you graduate college? When you get out of college and then, yeah. What, when, what, what time frame are we looking at right now? Yeah. So it was like, you know, graduate high school in 2012, graduate college in 2016, stop running for a year. And then I started doing little baby runs for like half a year. And then this is like 2018 is like okay. when I joined the club. I've, I've done broad street. Um, and then I was at, I connected with like one of my really good friends, uh, Matt Ferry. He was like a, from, he was, we were like teammates in college. I and mean, now we're like really good friends and we were just at a, at a bar and I was like, you know, talking to him. Like, I think I, I want to like get back. To, I want to like try and like, you know, break 15 or like try and get back to those times again. And he's like, well, I'll coach you. You can be my guinea pig if you want. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Like, let's just, let's just do it. And he's like, all right, I'm, I'll send you weekly workouts. Let's, let's, let's do this. And is he still your coach today? He's still my coach. Yeah. Very cool. Let, let me ask you this. Cause I, I have not asked anybody this question. Um, but I have now had, you know, I think you're going to be episode 12 ish somewhere in there. We're about a dozen people. And so I would say that half of them are kind of your, I mean, like right on that BQ and, and if not, maybe a little slower, a little faster. And then I've also had people like you, uh, Chris Gutierrez, uh, Peter Bromka a few weeks ago, guys who are really close to that, that OTQ line. What is it like trying to find, I guess, a running club? Or I guess, let me ask it this way. How important is it, in your opinion, to have a running club where you are going out with people who are able to kind of push you in that way? Like I've, I've run here in Omaha with a former college runner. He ran at a, at a school in Tennessee and he'll come out with a, with a few of us and I think he has, he has a great time. You know, he's, he's chatting it up. We're all chatting it up. Um, he's probably doing a little better than we are, given that he ran in college. And I never feel like with him that I am like being judged for not being as fast. I think a part of that's just the running community in general is like going to be kind of an asshole if you're going to be like, hey, you're slower than I am. But like, I, I don't know. I just wa- always wonder how, how vital that is for someone like you who, who has put up some really good times to have someone kind of in your neighborhood, just that maybe they could, maybe someone that you can kind of chase after, I guess. That's a really good question. And the answer is it's partially, it, it's, it's partially important, right? So it, it, when like those key workout days, because you, you work backwards from your key, your goal race, right? It's like, I want to run like this pace. Okay. So that I want to be able to hit the key workouts that are going to prepare me for that. So I need to do the base miles that prepare me for the key workouts that prepare me for that. Yeah. So the the miles, it's you know, there's such a wide range of what easy running you can do and still get benefit from it. Like you could run eight minute pace or you can run seven minute pace, and if they're both easy for you, that's like still important. It comes in handy on those key workouts. So and in this case, like if I'm a marathoner, it's like the for me, it, what was really important was is is just getting people around me for the long run day and getting getting that kind of people around me for like a workout day. Other than that, it like there's a wide range of ability level I could run with on an easy run quote unquote, or like what they call like base miles. And yeah, I'm fine. You know what I mean? And it gets you, and I, someone like that person you're talking about, that's like really fast. is probably not judging you. They probably are savvy enough to know that like, 
you don't need to be around elites all the time. You can just be around. And this is, this kind of connects to the, to community, right? It's like, if you have a network of people, you're going to have a wide range of abilities you can work with. And it's, it's still fine. You know, there's value, there's value in having friends. I mean, I say value. I don't want it to seem like a transactional thing. But sure. Yeah. There's like a, you, you will improve as a runner when you have friends that are like chasing, you know, three thirty marathon or four minute mar- or four hour marathon or, 230 marathon you know what i mean there's benefits like every you can benefit from being around people in in not only just social sense but a performance sense if that makes sense yeah absolutely does and i i think too you know if you're running everyone has someone faster than them everyone has someone slower than them i think the important thing for me is is that i've learned about myself the last few years is finding people that just like nerding out about running you know they want to get out <laughs> yeah. there for a couple hours on a saturday it's like that's the fun part not not like hey i ran you know x pace for a few miles like yeah that's pretty cool but I find the enjoyment in just like, hey, you know, like how was your week of run and just chatting it up for, you know, a couple hours on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, that is easier to find than you think it. You'd be surprised who's willing to get nerdy about running. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be people that are like BQing. It doesn't have to be people that are OTQing. It can be someone that's like trying to go for their first like 10K or their first half. Yeah. But they like Google pro runners and they're like. Like there are some people that I know and like the track house that like come to like weekly runs and they like just learned who like Inga Britson is and they like nerd out. They're like, that's insanely fast. This this guy ran like under eight minutes for two miles. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, man, it's crazy. Uh, so we're right now in this time frame, it's like 2018-ish, 2019-ish. Um, I wonder as like 2020 arrives and COVID arrives, how does that change your relationship with running. And I guess where, where, like what are, what type of races are you running in? Cause if I remember right, you don't do your first marathon until 2021. Right. So like mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. what, what, what's going on in this moment in time in your running career as you, I guess are, are finding kind of a love for it again after taking that year off. Mm-hmm. So the best way to, let me, I guess it make more sense to start from that point that like Matt Ferry is coaching me. I'm embracing doing all of the road race, uh, Grand Prix series, like the USATF, uh, Grand Prix, but it was like in the mid Atlantic because it's in Philly. So it was like, I'm just like really into road racing and then chasing, like getting that 5k back down in terms on the track. So for a while there going into 2019, I was cutting my 5k down to within 10 minutes, 10 seconds of my PR. And then I was doing a lot of road racing. So I was embracing the half too. I like discovered that like, you know, along the theme of like, I'm just going to keep moving up in distance eventually Eventually I did broad street again and had much better time pacing myself, continuing to have the strength going into the final miles. And I was like, okay, like I'm really embracing the half marathon. You know, I'm at the back of my mind. I'm thinking like, okay, I am, I'm not, not thinking about the BQ. I'm not, not thinking about Boston. And I think it was also, this also came because my fiance was like, so uh, when are you doing Boston out of curiosity? And I was like, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, so then I was kind of like in the back of my thinking, okay. You know, I, I, I told him, I was like, I'm thinking about it. So then we were kind of, you know, s- scheming, but then the pandemic hit and then, well, I should, I should go backwards. My fiance got a job up in Boston. Okay. Cause she went to grad school and she's, she's, she's really smart. She's like a, biostatistician involved in co- long code research. That's a whole other thing. But she got a job up in uh, in Mass General Hospital up in Boston. And I was like, 
you know, I had the ability to like work remote at the job I was doing in Philly. I was like, this is awesome. Let's just, let's go to Boston. And it was funny at the time I was worried like, oh, I don't know if I'm able to find like, you know, a running community in Boston. And one of the guys <laughs> in Philly was like, dude, that's like the Mecca of running. <laughs> Seriously. Do you have any idea what you just said? Like, <laughs> you're obviously going to find runners. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that'll work out for me. Me having no idea how, what the culture was like up there at all, like not paying too much attention. But um, so we moved here. I was like, all right, this is sick. There's like running clubs everywhere. And one of my friends from college, uh, he connected me with a guy and he, like for the, this club, like the tracksmith at the time, it was tracksmith. Harry C was like their club name, but he's like, Oh, this guy, he's like, he's connected with tracksmith. Like he'd hook you up. They have a great culture there. And I like went to like one of their like hair hangs and I was like, this is sick. Like, <laughs> these are my like this, people. <laughs> these are my people. And, well, and it was like massive. Like they had such as like a big following. And I was like, there are so many runners here. I'm so overwhelmed by this, but it's so cool. And went to a few runs. I was like, this is great. And then the pandemic hit. And so then I was like, at the time, I was like, really close to hitting a career personal best. Was getting ready to embrace doing the BQ or getting ready to do the Boston Marathon or, or trying to qualify for Boston. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, well, every goal I had is toast at this point. Like, I don't really know. Also, the community I wanted to embrace, I was ready to embrace, was also toast. You couldn't interact with anybody. You couldn't interact with anybody. And you couldn't like chase goals in the same way. And so my, it, my thing shifted from just from having like goals in mind to just maintain the habit and just seeing it as like a thing in your routine. Like I was just like, I'm not going to be thinking about it at all. I'm just going to go out and run for an hour and not think about it. Was that hard? Yeah, it was pretty hard. It was pretty hard because then it got into the summer and then it was like really hot and miserable. And I was like, do I want to be doing this at all? With like nothing, because there's no like carrot at the end of the stick. There's no carrot at the end of the stick. It was just all stick. And, you know, I, you know, I had to have the, the mask on because, I mean, I don't know how it was where like you were at the time, but like in Boston, people embraced mask wearing like really quick and were like very disciplined about it. So if they, you saw, if you, if they saw, a, if people on the street saw a runner with no mask on, like they were going to get chewed out. They were going to get yelled at, which is what happened to me in the first couple of weeks. And then I would like put it on, but yeah. you had the mask on. It's like, you know, 90 degrees. There's no thing. There's, there's nothing to train for. And I was like, why am I doing this? Do I need to be doing this? And that was probably the, 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 the strongest temptation to stop running I ever had. But huh. I was like, it, you know, the theme of, my career was like, if you just like hold out long enough, if you just keep it going, you'll be fine. And, it, and it, eventually it'll click and, and, you know, I will hit, I will hit a time I'm looking for, or I'll get that boost in performance that I'm looking for. And so I was like, you know what, this hasn't failed me yet. I'm just going to like keep going out for my runs and just like keep the routine. Don't think about it. Like put on a podcast, just listen to the podcast. Don't think about it, but just keep getting out and running. And so that's kind of how it got me through the first couple of months. I will say then, and this is all credit to the um, the then manager at the time, now director of community at Tracksmith, Louis Serafini, basically just set up this like uh, project 5,000. He was just like, look, I can just like give you workouts and we can try and like, you know, host like a time trial somewhere to kind of give you something to chase, like a PR. And I was like, okay, now I've got something to kind of chase. So that kind of, alleviated the uh 
the stick, if you will, of trying to run in, in the heat with the mask and not having a time, not having a race to train for. So, you know, we come out of 2020 and, you know, the vaccine comes out in, you know, what, December-ish. And then it, I don't know what it was like up in Boston, but mm-hmm. I still remember like in, in Omaha, there were these moments where, you know, you could do like, you could, I think it was like signing up for like leftover ones that people didn't show up for at like local pharmacies. And so I heard about one of these one night and I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to try this. I'm serious. Next day I get a call. Hey, Josh. We have one of these at a CVS. It was like a half hour away. I had to go actually over the, the end of the state next door, Iowa. And it was like, you know, we have this. And so I was like, sweet, I'll see you in a half hour. So I got mine before like all of my friends in March get the second one in April. And by that point, it's like, we're going to have races again. This is going to be really cool. Um, so I, I imagine that it was something similar-ish where you get the vaccines and, and suddenly things are happening again. You're probably thinking, awesome, this... I have to imagine at this point, you're like, I'm running the marathon this year. I just got to figure out where, like what, talk me through the end of 2020 into 2021. Definitely. So end of 2020, right. It's, um, in 2021, similar deal. Although it was like, I was trying, like everybody that I was around was like hunting, trying to get access to these, these vaccines. Like <laughs> they just wanted it now. Like, yep. And it, there, you know, everybody had their own little, you know, cheat codes for how they got them. And eventually somebody was like, dude, just walk into a CVS and ask if they have anything. And I was like, all right. What's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like my fiance at the time, she got early access to it because she was working at a hospital. And I was like, okay, I got to, I got to, I got to catch up. I got to do something. So then I just on a run, we, I was told like, all right, go to this CVS to see what they got. And I just kind of walked in there in the middle of the run. I was sweaty. <laughs> I was in running gear. I had like, just like my phone and a mask in hand. I was like, and I just put on, I was like, do you guys have anything? And then they were like, they look around to see if any supervisors are like, yeah, we can do this. Do not tell anybody you did this. <laughs> so then we'd like, I sat there for the shot. I'm like, my watch is like paused. I'm like still in the middle <laughs> of running. Like I'm assuming it's going to cause like a giant spike in heart rate or something. Cause I just got the vaccine. <laughs> um, but that was like my, that's how eager I was to just like do this and get it done. And, get over with. I was so eager to just be over with it as I'm sure everybody was at the time. Right. And so, um, did real quick, did you, did you finish that run then? And so like, is it one of those, like, you know, our run, but you're like overall time is like two hours and people are like, what the hell's going on? What were you doing? Yeah. And I, that habit definitely got worse as I started run commuting to tracksmith. I am one of the worst examples of like, I'll just like run to do something and then run back. And this is a quintessential example of that. Like it was like a 45 minute run quote unquote, but it was like an hour and 45 minutes. I probably look like such a jackass, but I was getting the vaccine. So it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So that's Um, what, what part, what like part is that 2020 or was that in 2021 when that happened? I believe it was early 2021 Okay, at this point. So, and I was definitely committed to, I was like, oh, the second I get a chance to do this, I'm definitely doing a marathon. There's no question. I'm going to try and get, I'm going to try and BQ. I'm going in on this. This is going to be the thing that I've been holding out for. No dilly dallying. Eventually, in the other thing, as I was um, at the time, like New Hampshire was having this, like, like this um, racing company, Millennium Running, they were having these races. And I was wondering how they were doing them. Like, how could they get away with that? Yeah. And it was because they had the uh, time trial starts. So people would start like 10 seconds, like they'd have two people 
they'd run and then 10 seconds would go and then they would have sent two more people and so on and so forth. And so they were spread out and like that, that worked. Like they didn't have, they weren't having like surges in cases. It was, it totally worked out. And so I was like, I got to do one of these. Um, and they had this like cheap half marathon. Like that was literally what it's called the cheap half marathon. They didn't have any like amenities. You just got like your metal at the end and you could get like your banana and, but they had the time trial start. And so I was like, you know what? I've been running consistently for like a year. I'm so eager to just get into this and see what I got in this race. I want to do it. And I, oh, the other thing that was happening in 2020 was um, Trials of Miles was doing their like, um, it was like an elimination series. It was like a bracket series. And basically they would set up like different courses. They had like different um, segments all around the city that they could do. And you would, it was like, the fastest known time would win and advance to the next round. It was kind of like a March Madness, but for like different courses. That's and I was awesome. doing that. And it was, oh, it was a lot of fun. That's I, I a ton say. of it, fun. It, and I, it turns out you get fit just like doing that. I, for, I had forgotten that like, oh yeah, when you race, you like, or like do hard efforts, you just get, you can get fast, you can get fit pretty quick. And so I like did that series and I was like, all right, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of fit. They had this time trial start. I want to do this. I want to go well in this. So I just did this cheap half and it was an out and back on this path in middle of nowhere, New Hampshire. And I did it and I PR in the path in like two minutes. And I spent most of this race racing with like one other guy. And I was like, okay, I'm like fired up. Clearly this is, I'm in shape enough to do what I want to do. I feel like I'm in the race distance that I want to do. I'm ready to go. And then at that, not I would say like a day, maybe two days afterwards, I was like, all right, I'm doing the hometown marathon. I'm doing the Philadelphia marathon. And that was my, that was what, that's when I crossed into marathon territory. So it was, I imagine the easy decision then to sign up for Philly, given, like you said, hometown marathon. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it, it was, you know, once I had that time, because I had run like one Oh nine thirty, and I was like, okay, I could probably get like up to the front, like in, like an elite bib with that time. And it turned out I did. And so I was like, the other thing about the Philly Marathon is that the start is like you can walk to the start. Now, granted, like all marathons, got to go through security and all that. But like, I was hearing like war stories about like New York, how they had to be up like five hours beforehand, and I was like, dude, I'm gonna be a nervous wreck. I don't want to be dealing with that. I want to be able to just like walk or warm to the start, know where to go, and be there, and be and not to think about it. And so that was also a big thing was like just having it be a little bit more relaxed of an environment yeah. as yeah, I'm less like frills. You know, yeah. Less frills, but you know, to navigate the fact that I was probably going to be an anxious mess. And so that was another big thing. I wanted to be, I wanted to be as comfortable as possible given what I was about to do. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So what, what do you talk to your coach? Hey, I'm going from half to, to marathon. And I mean, you basically had been planning on this kind of for a few years. So, so it had been in your mind. It had been in his mind. What was the change in, I guess, how you were, approaching things on a day-to-day week-to-week basis training for a marathon versus the other races that you had been running? Good question. So when I was getting back in the swing of running, I was doing like five, six days of running a week. In this case, I was keeping it going, but I was adding more doubles. And also the big thing was increasing that long run. So when I was, you know, I had, I had had familiarity doing like 15, 16 mile runs. Cause that's like pretty standard for what we would do in college. Um, and then I just kept that going, but it was more like, okay, let's get that up to like more like 18, 19, 20. 
And honestly, before Philly, I did, I think, like two, two 20 milers, like not a whole lot of changed. It was actually just more of like keeping the, what was working going and just having those couple of specific workouts to just have like in the back of your, in the back of your brain when you go to like that long distance. So it's so funny. You're the second person now that I've talked to on the pod who ran that exact Philadelphia marathon, Dylan Geringer, who joined me way earlier in the run. He, he obviously had an insane race. You, you just mentioned a, a couple of seconds ago, you know, knowing that you would be an anxious, nervous wreck the day of. So you mm-hmm. get to, you get to that day. Like, I guess let's just talk, let's talk through it. What was that morning? Like, what was it like the race? Um, you know, your first marathon, it's the hometown marathon. You get like the coolest medal afterwards. Uh, Derek mm-hmm. Lowski, who joined me for the second episode. He's like, that's still my favorite of all the medals. He just ran mm-hmm. it last year. Um, what, what was that day like for you? Uh, yeah, oh, that was quite a day. And I, I agree. That is my favorite metal. It's so it's cool. Got the bell. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, a couple of like my one, my one friend who, who no longer lives there, but, uh, my friend and former college teammate Hunter, uh, li- like lived in, in Fairmount or I guess, yeah, Fairmount. And he, which is not far from the start. And I basically just kind of stayed with him the night before and a couple friends were up. And so they were going to also like watch that too. So it was like, getting the boys back together also helped a lot too. Um, but the morning of, I basically woke up and my fiance was with me too. Um, woke up basically just like cheap to granola bar, uh, drank some, sipped on some, some coffee and some water. And I was like out the door, just walking down there, sipping on some coffee, you know, just trying to, it was a little cold, which is good for a marathon. But when you're just kind of like walking or standing around, it's a little that and the jitters, you're very, I was very jittery. So I was like walking down very jittery. Um, I get there. It's like not even light out yet. Um, I get through security and I was in like the, like elite tent where it was like warm finally. So I was like, okay, finally I'm warm. I can stop shivering. Um, I'm like, we're all basically holed up in this like tent. And I, it was like the two days before where I was like talking to man, like, dude, how long do I need to warm up for this? Cause we kind of talked through everything, but like not, not that he was like, honestly, man, five, six minutes, you're not gonna need it. And, that was foreign to me because particularly in the shorter events, like the shorter the distance, like the more the warm up like really matters. And so like, at least, and at least that's been consistent with like what um, I've experienced. And so I was like expecting like, Oh, I need to warm up like two or three miles. Like I had to get my drills, my strides in. He's like, dude, just five minutes and you're good. Five minutes easy. So it was just, I found, a, I found a, a like a, a friend of mine, Jeff, who uh, also works at Tracksmith. He, we just like did like a couple minutes just back and forth in the corral. Cause I was also worried like, what if I, do I need to leave my corral? Like, can I get back? And it was like, well, no, you can't. So just stay there and just jog back and forth, which really helped. Um, and then I saw Dylan cause he was on Philly, Philly runner track club too. Uh-huh. And that was the, and he, it's, it's interesting. We actually, uh, we raced in college, I think one or two times. Okay. But I saw him too. And he was like, he was in the zone and I was like, he's probably going to run something just absolutely filthy sick. And he did. So he did. So yeah, it's like, I'm just going to let him be on yeah. his own. Like you just, you've, you've never run this distance before. Like what's mm-hmm. the game, what's the game plan of that? And, and how do you think you did it executing it? Cause it seems like you ran a kick-ass race. Thanks man. So, I mean, the, the two things, right. It's like the, the warm up, And then of course the, the nine, like the real mystery of the sport is like, how do I fuel? Right. Yeah. And the answer of course is like, 
there's no single magic way to fuel. Everybody responds so differently. So it's a matter of practicing, which can be very nerve wracking. Yeah. So I had done very little fueling practice, which eventually came back to haunt me in my second marathon. But in this case, it was like, you know, I kind of had just like this ballpark of, okay, something time-based. I'm going to go like four, 40, every 45 minutes, I'm going to take something, which I'm sure for some people here, they're going to be like, what? But yeah, that's what I did. I, every 45 minutes, I was going to take some fuel. Um, so I basically had some gels in hand and I was like, all right, I'm just going to grab, I'm going to chug Gatorade. And then after that, it's going to be just like water and gels. And I took, I think it was, yeah, three gels after that Gatorade. That was my fueling strategy. I think the big thing was it wasn't very hot. That was the real big thing. Like I wasn't sweating a whole lot, at least compared to how I could have been if it was a lot hotter. Sure. So I think that's what allowed me to like execute that. The other thing too, is I was very conservative. So, you know, the temptation in the race, right? It's like everybody goes out and you want to like go with everybody. But I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna let everybody pass me. I let a whole lot of people pass me in the beginning and I'm running with uh, an alum, Bryce. And I just kept being like, all right, just let him pass. We're going to catch him. Let him pass. We're going to catch everybody. And I think that was really, really important was we didn't go out too fast. And ultimately, when you get to like the big climb of, you know, uh, I think is it 34th Street? That's when I was like, all right, now I'm racing. Now I'm like on. So I think going really easy and it not being too hot and really easy in the first couple of miles, relatively speaking, you know, it's all kind of relative. You never want to say, no, it's never really quote unquote easy in the marathon, but relatively speaking, um, but those two strategies think helped me out for sure. And I think that helped me out a lot. When you look back on that day, I mean, are you like, it's your first one. So are you kind of like in awe that it went so well or like, did the naivete help you? Like I just, cause that, that's, that's still your PR, right? Like, I guess, how, mm-hmm. how does that, yep. how does that weigh in your mind given that that's now a couple of years in the rear view? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things. There's a, a million factors that affect your time. It's not kind of like, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that affect you and even like a track race, but in a marathon, there's like the, there's the element of the course itself and the weather and conditions and who's in the field and also just your fueling strategy. And so in my mind, I'm still kind of like, you know, I'm working it out. You know, I think I learned a lot in Boston, but in this case, you know, I was kind of a little shocked by it, to be quite honest with you. In my mind, I was like, if I break 240, I was telling everybody, if I break 240, I'd be a really happy camper because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was assuming I was going to be walking by like mile 20 or something like that. So I was like, I don't know, like 240. I just kind of had that as like a round number in my head. 240. Hope I can break 240. That'd be amazing. And the whole time I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, I hope I don't blow up. I I just kept saying to myself, hope I don't blow up. You know, I was like, this is a lot faster than I thought it was going to be. And when I say like, you know, like it's easy. I mean, when you're in a big crowd, everybody's pulling you along and that's going to affect how, how running feels. Right. So if you're in a big pack, it, it just felt what I was aiming, what I was aiming for. And what I was running, like I, it, I, was, I was trying to run like six minute pace and I was running five forties and that felt really easy because of the adrenaline, the pack, the fact that it was cold, you know, all those things. Um, that was a, all those things together, I think was, feeling easy and I was getting very anxious the entire time because <laughs> you're just waiting for something to happen. I was waiting for like the impending blow up to happen. And particularly when you get to those climbs in Philly, like in the second half, like when you get into those, those middle Hills, it's just like, okay, this is where I'm going to blow up. This is where I'm going to blow. Up. I just kept saying to myself, like, you know, trying to anticipate it. And then it just like didn't happen. And uh, I, I, by like the 
16th mile, I was like, you know what, man? I don't know if this, I don't know if this is going to happen. I think I should just race like normal and just relax, which is what I did. And then I ended up negative splitting it, which there's something you said for just like relaxing and then running faster. Sure. So I think that's kind of what was happening. I was like, just, you know, stomach the goo, which was still foreign to me. I was like, this is insane. Why am I eating while I'm running? This is ridiculous. So I'm just like trying to force this down, trying to relax, trying to just like stop saying you're going to blow up, you're going to blow up, you're going to blow up. <laughs> And yeah, that I was, I finished and I was like, no, that didn't happen. Do I need to keep running? Do I, did I like miss a turn? Like what, 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 what did that, what's going on here? Like, did I, are you sure this is right? So, um, yeah, I was kind of in shock by that. And I haven't had that cool of temperatures yet after Philly. Um, so you feel like you got, you, you, you got a better race like in you, if you get another one of those good days, you know, yeah, 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 definitely. And yeah. And it's the, you know, you gotta, you gotta like really practice every distance, right? Like, I think it, it, the temptation is to be like, to just do a distance and be like, you know what? I'm not good at that, but you don't really know. You just got it. You you just did it for the first time. And that's kind of what I've been telling myself. It's like, all right, that was my first time. You know, I, I was, I was only running six days a week. I only fuel every 45 minutes, which as I've learned was completely insane. Everybody has given me the look of like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> so I feel like there's just like, you know, better savviness with the execution of fueling the training more. Like I did just a couple of 20 milers and I called it a, a set, I called it a, a build. And then, um, you know, just the hilly hilliness of the course. So yeah, I think I have more in me. You ran it and you ran a what? A two twenty seven, two twenty seven there. 227.11 was, uh, I believe, the time, yeah. God, that is awesome. And it was almost near even splits, actually. It was the second half was a couple of seconds faster. That's awesome. So it was like 113, 113 mid, 113 mid, something like that, yeah. So do you leave that and immediately you're like, like, do you, I guess, do you think I'm a marathoner now or do you still, you, cause you've run half marathon since then. You ran it, you, you set your PR earlier this year. Like, do you, I guess, what's, what's the mindset when you leave the 2021 Philadelphia marathon? Uh, the, the, I finished and I, I thought to myself, God damn it. This is the event I, I'm good at, which is tragic. <laughs> Cause it means I need to run a lot more miles and I need to train like more heavily. That's like, uh, this is the event I'm good at. Isn't it? And so, or, or that I'm like be, relatively better at, I was like, uh, just, uh, this is going to be I, like, obviously I want to do faster than this now that I realize I can, but it's, I'm just, it's going to be so much more running. <laughs> so it was a mix of like, all right, we're doing it, but also uh, we're doing a little it. bit of a dread. Yeah. So what was, what was the second one where you mentioned uh, the fueling strategy was different, but it didn't go maybe as well. So it was Berlin. So after Philly, I was like, okay, what's like a fat, like what are the, what are the other big races I could do? Right. And yeah. in my first mind, I'm thinking, okay, the majors, Right. That's like the big thing, particularly for the amateur marathoner. It's like, let's, let's go in on these big ones. Let's try and do like New York or Chicago. And it's like, the struggle is you have to plan those out like so far ahead in advance. You know, if it's like a 5k, you can sign up usually within like a week of, in this case, I was not used to like, Oh, planning nine months ahead out. And you know, it was like, they're expensive. They they can be, they can be expensive. And I was just like, you know what? Like I'm kind of talking through my fiance. And then I noticed that Berlin was very fast. And we kind of planned it out so that it was like a trip afterwards. So it was an excuse to like go all in on a big trip and travel while also doing this big race. And so I signed up like the next month for Berlin with the time qualifier. And I was like, this is the fast course. 
I'm going in on it. Like we're, I'm going to train. I'm going to definitely train a little more. I'm going to, you know, be more diligent about things. Um, but the thing is, instead of training when it's really nice out, cause Philly's in November, you're training in the thick of the summer. Yep. And so it was just, I was cooked metaphorically and literally just every, every day. And like, I, I could tell the effect it was like, I would come home and, and I would just be so dead, like all the time. And it was definitely a character development experience because like getting back to that point about like when you're training this summer, you, you, sometimes like the, the, it does not make sense to look at your heart rate or it does not make sense to look at like, cause it just piss you off. Yeah. It was pissing off. And it's like, well, it just sucks. Like there's, like, there's not much. What I am I expecting this. when I'm looking at it right now? I'm, I know I feel like shit. It's I'm really sweaty. Like it's 80 degrees and sunny. Like, of course it's going to be that number, whatever it is. Exactly. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to, going to just get the training in, you know, be patient, keep my ego quiet. Like, don't get worried about this. But it was, there were, def- it was definitely a, a test of like, you know, heat acclimation, but to that for the experience of Berlin, it was fast. So the temptation to go out faster was definitely real. And, and it was, was a great day weather wise, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Well, and you had, of course, the greatest, the, the male greatest of all time there. So yeah, it was yeah. like, everybody's going to go out super hot. And I was like, you know what? I run 227 on a fat, on a, on a slower course. I can definitely go out a little this. faster. I got this. So I went out faster. And again, I'm used to only feeling every 45 minutes and right around the like 15 mile mark, it like really set in like, Oh, that half marathon did not feel as easy as I hoped it would. Uh, and it's starting to really set in. Like I'm getting, it's, it's warming up. I'm sweating like crazy. I'm starting to feel the fatigue. My stride's starting to break down a little bit. I'm like feeling a little nauseous. I'm like, I don't know, man. I just start like, like they were handing out like the Mortons. I just started like out of desperation, grabbing one and trying to eat it. And it like didn't work well. And I was like, oh, no, man, am I going to even be able to finish this? I thought I was coming here to do like a, a you know, a, a, like a, a big breakthrough. And now I'm like wondering if I'm even going to finish this. When I got to like mile 22, I was like, I'm not making it. I might have to stop. And so then I like came to a crawling hole. I was just like starting to walk a little bit. And I was like clearly like a little out of it. Like I was daisy. Or like, or like I guess was like, like very ditzy or like very, uh, you know, airheaded. I was like, uh, yeah. Like, and this this guy's like this German official like he's like no sit down he's like here you sit on this thing here drink this and he hands me what was like this container of Coke and I just cheaped this entire thing of Coke because I was so thirsty and I was like it like came, like I came back to life I was like all right we're back in it that's like I've what ultra sitting, runners do yeah which is a thing that like I you know I knew this on intellectual level that like you know Frank Shorter did this ultra runners can just ingest you know things like Coke and it'll and it'll work because it's fuel right. And I was like, it clicked to me like, oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. I should have been taking more fuel. And then I was like a little bit more fine. I'm not totally fine. I still crawl the finish. But it was a uh, an experience that taught me that, OK, fueling is really important. You can't just like be casually like taking a sip here or there. You need to be like on a routine. You need to be getting some real calories in you and being, you know, mindful of the fact that you're going to be sweating a lot. So, yeah. So would you, what was your finish in uh, in Berlin? 230 230 Gee, so for all of that you're still only a few minutes off what you did in philly i went out it was more like i went out in like one 112 and came back in 118 it's what i did come back to life like i sat there for like 90 seconds to 
two minutes. Man. Like I think it's one it's one of those things like if I had just, you know, fueled prob fueled more more smart, I probably would have yeah. hit a PR. And that's what that's that's the stuff like that that keeps you going. You're like <sighs> you're lying awake and you're like, I could have just done this differently and I would have run a lot faster. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the thing that keeps me going is like, absolutely. But that's not my best thing. I made these dumb mistakes, you know? So that's another example of that. So you leave that you, and, and back in Philly the year before you had gotten your BQ, obviously. So I assume at that moment in time beyond Berlin, you were like, I'm running Boston in 2023. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, so yep. you knew that going into this year, what was, what was that experience like? I mean, you, you lived there, um, I, I, it's funny. You're now like the third or fourth or fifth guest who, who ran this year's Boston, who's come on the pod. Uh, mm-hmm. so I know what the weather was like. I, like, I know, I, I know what the day was like the FOMO that I had. Cause I got my BQ in Chicago in 2022. So I'll run it in 2024. And so like, I'm, I go around this lake in town, like for a five miler and, and I'm just looking at my my phone and I'm following all my friends and I'm like, God damn it. I'm so sad right now. Everyone seems to be having a blast. Everyone ran either PRs or right around PRs. I know you ran, you had a great race. It seems like what was, what was the 2023 Boston marathon? Like, well, congratulations to, to BQ. And that's, that's, that's Thanks. awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to be there next year, man. It's going to be awesome. Oh yeah. You'll love it. You'll love it. It's definitely, I mean, I get the hype. And I yeah. say this, I'm a little biased because I've been like immersed in the Boston running community for a few years now. I understand the hype. Like it's definitely one of those things that like you, if you can do it, if you, if you got the ability, if you got the ability to either the time or raise the funds, like it's definitely worth doing. Um, so my thing was, so I ran Berlin, I ran uh, Philly, but Philly has passed the window for the following year, for the following year, much to like what you're dealing with. So I was like, I had to sit and like, I'm, I basically, I also was like, working the track house like the, the the day of so so you're really getting like everything i was immersed in it and i, and I was oh. sitting here man like man i could be running this i could be running the damn thing I qualified. and i was i qualified <laughs> and i just sit here and just watch this and i'm like i mean it was it was definitely cool don't get me wrong it's gnarly as hell as a spectator too but you know when you want when you could be in there it's it's that extra layer of thought so i was watching it and I had a lot of FOMO for all those runners out there. And so I was like really fired up. Like I signed up like immediately upon being able to do so. And when you're training for it and when you're in the experience, like with the community in the buildup. So like Tracksmith does the like hundred days to like their, the big majors. Yeah. Uh, and like the Boston one is of course the quintessential one that everyone like knows when they like learn about Tracksmith. So you, you, you do the uh, hundred days and you just see everybody getting like fired up and like the build up that was probably the most fun I've had be, like in terms of a build up because you just like see everybody getting hyped up for that big achievement that they like got, you know, getting that BQ. And I was like, all right, my, the, the motivation was happening laterally, like around the people around me, just getting nerded out and fired up about it. I was like, let's, we're going to embrace this no matter what, like the experience is going to be good, whether it's a hundred, whether it's 90 degrees or it's like hypothermic conditions. Like I'm here for the experience. I'm here to like run hard and just like really embrace the experience. And like, that was, I think key for that race because I wasn't like stressed out about what my times were going to be or like my certain splits. I was like, I'm racing. Like, I'm just going to, it's a pure race. I'm going to take it all in. And I think that made it a really great experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, um, you've mentioned Tracksmith a few times and it's so funny cause 
I stumbled upon you originally because my algorithm on Instagram is dogs and mm-hmm. uh, and running stuff. And, and nice. I got a lot of Tracksmith stuff coming my way uh, in terms of ads or just whatever. And the Boston Hairs showed up. And I was like, hey, what's this? What's this random thing that I'm getting fed? So I clicked on it and it, you know, oh, a cool running club, you know, with my favorite running apparel company. And and uh, and I think the, the way I first stumbled upon it was like it was like, hey, uh, congrats to these runners, yada, yada, yada. And you were one of them. And so I clicked on your profile. Then I went and found your Strava. And I was like, well, this guy's really fast. So I'm just going to follow him for a little bit of motivation. Uh, so now you're here on the podcast base and that's patient zero of it. What's it, what, what is this? Like, what's it like running for, for the Boston hairs and how did you get involved with that? Good question. So I, you know, it, it starts from like when I first get to Boston and I go to that tracksmith hair hang that like, it was basically just like an open hair hang. You could just like come. And that was my first experience with tracksmith. I actually met my now like former, my, my now current, uh, like coworker associate, uh, Ryan, who that, that day, and basically like connected, um, with a lot of other runners too that day. And I was kind of really into just these like big open runs. And then I kind of talked to Lou and was like, you know, Hey, like I was on this like racing team. Is there anything similar to that with Tracksmith? And he's like, yeah, like we got our own like racing team too. It's at the time, it was like the same name as their like hair AC membership program, yeah. Which was which was you know definitely was like a little confusing at first, but it eventually changed to being the the Boston Hairs. Like they changed the name so it's got its own distinct like name. Um, but I basically from that open from those runs and open house event to the racing team was how I got connected. And then around that same time when like racing was picking up, I started um, working for them. Like I took on the part-time role as like a community associate. And so I was just like, went from casually walking into these things to being like on the community team and in this racing team. And the way I would say that like, it's definitely a community centered thing. Like, I think there's a, uh, there's a really, there are teams that are like very, you know, they, it's very casual. And then there are teams that are like super duper serious. And the way that this is, is it's, it's serious-ish. So it's like people are definitely chasing big goals. They're trying to get better as runners. But it's not like – there's not like hard um, like cutoffs on the team standards. And like, you know, if anybody wants to like be, you know, enmeshed in the sport and be part of the team and compete, they can do so. And so it's more like it's, – it's like a very – like I call it um, – how would, I, how would I describe this? Like it's a very like driven culture, but it's a it's like an open one. Yeah. It's an open and driven culture is how I would describe it, which I really like because I like the idea of like being meshed in the sport and, you know, going for big goals, nerding out about track. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like it fits your personality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just like one of those like, oh, this is my this is my group. Yeah, like, I definitely want to be connected to this for sure. So how often do you like run in races or like? do you have like practice? Like, do you get together for weekly or monthly runs? Like, what does that look like? So basically we just kind of use, I mean, it's kind of, um, a lot of, it's like a, it's like a Venn diagram with like a huge center, uh, circle with like basically our community workouts and also when people kind of connect. So we have like this like messaging app where people can connect for like workouts, but oftentimes we try to be deliberate about making the workouts like beneficial, like really uh, like high quality workouts so that you can like get like 
anybody that's like fast or even a beginner runner can jump into. So oftentimes we'll use those opportunities to connect for runs and workouts. Um, and it's also really big on the long run days. Like we try to get like the team in on those open long run days. And like the stereotype is that like, there's a lot of people up in the front that rip it, but it's just like the racing team getting together for a long run workout. If that makes sense. Very cool. What's your, uh, what's your favorite piece of tracksmith gear? Um, the Brighton base layer easily, man, everyone says that I still don't, I, that's like one of the things of like the main kind of core items. I, that's the one I don't have. It's, it comes in handy when it's like, because it's one of those things where like in the winter, it's like 10 degrees very frequently, or it could be like, you know, zero or 20 and you know, you want to stay dry. So I just, it just comes in handy because I get cold really fast. Like yeah. I just am, you know, I respond better to the heat than the cold, but I just really, need that like warm layer so i just like have it on me all the time and also dries which is really good because uh, between you and me sometimes <laughs> i'll wear something in a double and then i'll hang up dry and then i'll put it on again without <laughs> like washing it beforehand i just it comes in for that i will keep real with you i definitely <laughs> do that and it works because it gets dry so oh that's awesome um so one of the things that I have really enjoyed over the last however long I followed you on these social media apps and and then guys like Dylan Geringer, Chris Gutierrez is you guys I find are very funny. Um, it, whether it's like the titles of things, I think I, I read your pin tweet and I'm going to read it now on the podcast too. I read this to my fiance the other night and I, she kind of laughed, but I think she was like, what the hell are you like? Wh- what are you doing? So you said nobody will remember and then you put a colon and a bunch of dashes. Your salary, your fancy title, how busy you were, how stressed you were, how many hours you worked. People will remember the kudos you got on Strava, your creative <laughs> titles for your runs on Strava, the segments where you were a local legend on Strava. Uh, like at, that absolutely slayed me. And I have, I don't know, like I, I now am tr- like trying to be more creative in my titles because for the longest time it was just like, you know, Saturday 20 or what, you know, Tuesday 12. And it's like, I, I don't know. That's a long way to just say, I think you're funny. And I love, I just, I like seeing you, like you three guys in particular are the first people that I think of when I think of funny, funny Strava. You know, we always talk about like mm-hmm. weird Twitter, funny running yeah. Strava. Like, I feel like you guys fit that stuff to a T sometimes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, it, it goes back to like, you know, you need to keep in the back of your mind that like, this is a very silly thing we're doing. Yes. That we're going out and going for like, you know, uh, one of my friends from college, he's like, well, putting on my silly kit to do my silly miles to, to prepare for my silly race. And it's just like, I keep that in my mind sometimes. I'm like, we're running ourselves into exhaustion. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like an absurd thing if you think about it. And sometimes it kind of helps, you know, when you're very serious and you, you feel like crap, it's like easy to just like get into like a bad series of thoughts. Whereas like, if you think about it as like an absurd and silly thing, an opportunity to be silly, sometimes it makes the run more fun. You know what I mean? And so I just, it tends to be like my thought pattern and it just like, I'm like, this is just how I got to be, you know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, See, so you run a 227, as we talked about. Uh, I, I imagine that you're right around 30. You're closing in on 30. Uh, mm-hmm. So you obviously have like a lot of years in front of you um, and and uh, many more years until you're able to peak. Like what, what, what do you feel like or where do you feel like you are in maybe exploring those limits as th- that you could have in yourself as a runner? Good. Yeah. It's a thought I've, I sometimes go back and forth with about myself because, you know, the it running is like that weird, weird thing where your quote unquote, like physical peak is actually much later than other events. You know, in my mind, like when I graduated college, I'm like, well, that's probably it. 
you know, I had it in my back when I was like, this is probably as good as I'm going to get. Right. And this is right when I was thinking about quitting too. And now I'm like getting back into it and realizing that like, as I get older, like I'm actually like, I get, I'm, I'm realizing and being around like older runners, it's like old, old person strength or like, you know, quote unquote, like old man strength is like a real, like a real thing. There are like a lot of fit, like older runners that yeah. just like the, the, the years of muscle contractions has turned them like ripped. And I'm just kind of like, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think I probably have a few more years of like chasing like real like limits of like PRs I, before. But the nice thing about running is that, you know, when the PRs kind of stop, there's like other things you could do. You could explore other distances. Like I, could, I have thought the idea about going into like ultra marathoning as a thing or going into trails, which you know, it's, it, it, it's more about just like the, the war stories and the experiences and like the camaraderie more than anything else. I mean, it's definitely very competitive. I, 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 I don't want to dismiss that. Those, those people are extreme athletes and I like, but it seems like they, it's, it's right for telling like war stories and doing like these crazy, uh, like courses and things like that. And I feel like that would be really cool if like, you know, my, my, um, you know, my, the road PR starts slowing down, if that makes sense. So I feel like the, the, the short answer is I feel like a few years of chasing big PRs and then probably keeping running with me just as long as I can. Do you like the marathon or the half marathon more? Right now, the half marathon, I think I'm better at. Um, I would say, like, I think there's room to grow. And I feel like as I grow in the marathon, I could, I'll appreciate it more. Right now, the half is like, my like, it's definitely my favorite. And it's definitely like easier for me to conceptualize the right pacing because it's like, you know, I can conceptualize how long I can hold for an hour for whatever reason. And I think that helps with me like understanding how to press against the limit on that distance more. The marathon is like a little more confusing for me to figure out like more what's strategic like It's strategic. It's definitely a cool, it's definitely cool. It's something like, uh, my other favorite event, but I think the half is better. That makes sense. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your favorite part about running? Um, definitely long run day for sure. I think cause at least in my memory, at least in my experience, it's longer day it tends to be like, you can get a bigger crew together and it's like more time out there. And also it gives you more time to warm up into your miles. I feel like I'm, I take a lot longer to warm up, um, getting into it. But like once I hit my groove, it's like, this is great. I love this so much. And, um, it's like more time with friends. Um, and it kind of like spices up a, like what would otherwise be the Sunday scaries you would have on a Sunday. Uh, so I finish every podcast by asking my guest about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something or just a feeling. Alex Preetholm, what are you chasing? Um, I'm telling this as a, I'm saying this as a bit slash not a bit, uh, the OTQ. That's definitely my thing. I mean, you know, I always like to have a goal, you know, for a while there, I was always like, all right, like five minutes more or like two minutes more, but you know, there's no defense in running. There's no point in like selling yourself short. Like it's all about just like throwing yourself out there. So I'm like, whatever, man, I'm going to go for the OTQ. And then after that, maybe I'll just chase getting a little faster after that. You know what I mean? I love it. Alex Breedholm, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Alex Breedholm for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me, including my weekly newsletter, as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Boston Marathon. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, 
and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.